All right, City Harbor Church, you're taking next steps in following Jesus. In an effort to learn from Jesus, the words of Jesus, and the people who were His first followers that saw Him with their own eyes and heard His voice with their own ears, this year we've been uh, reading the New Testament together. Uh, Chris, can you adjust my microphone a little bit? I feel like it's a little hot and I'm getting a little feedback. Would you please? Um, and that's something that we do one day at a time. It's something that's not easy. It's something that is easier when we do it together, when we seek to take next steps in following Jesus together. And that's why we've synced up and we have, uh, you can even see on our website, cityharborchurch.com, where you can, every day you can receive an email that has what we've been reading that day and a few comments from me. The idea there is that there is a God who is alive. A God who is at work, a God who has purpose, even in our broken world. And that this God desires that you would receive forgiveness of your mistakes, a cleansing, a new spiritual life, an opportunity to experience change. That we would grow in a confident hope of Jesus as Savior that we would grow in a confident hope that one day Jesus will return God will make all things right. Does that sound kind of amazing? Now, in our, in our human nature, in where we are today, we can need a little bit of help for that to be real, for that to be something that we understand, and for that to be something that's powerful. And that's, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're taking these steps together. Sound good? So we have been, um, if you'll bear with me, i got to um, flip through a few slides for the sake of time today. We have, in reading Hebrews, been looking at who Jesus is, how Jesus brings rest, and how we should respond. And we're taking this straight from our reading. And there are today... We're going to talk about a number of spiritual concepts that are in the scripture that might be things you're familiar with and they might not be things you're familiar with. And generally speaking on most Sundays, I try to not refer to things that we don't have time to explain. But today, we're going to do a little bit of that. Now, the benefit is cityharborchurch.com messages or through various podcast apps on Apple, Spotify, you can get the notes and the audio from this. And also with the daily posts, there's more that's available to you. But what we're, what we're calling this from, this state of spiritual rest, which we're going to explain, is from Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9. There is a special rest waiting for the people of God. And this is a specific word that was used a few different ways. And I'm actually going to read a good little chunk of the scripture to help us be on the same page today. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. And this is written to people who were followers of Jesus, who were Jewish by birth, and were being pressured to leave the spiritual community of following Jesus to go back to the religious Jewish customs to rely on their behaviors for their hope of heaven. That's who this is written to. But one of the beautiful things that you see in the New Testament is the followers of Jesus used family language. 
We love each other. There's family language. Dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. We're going to explain what's being talked about that. Turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it still is today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Or most translations would say, so that you don't get tricked, so that you don't get fooled into hardening your heart against God. And we're going to unpack that in a moment. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting that is the end of your days in this physical life or when Jesus returns, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Whoa, that's something to think about because that's a lot, right? Remember what it says, it's referring to Psalm 95. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? Whoa, getting dark on a Sunday. And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Remember, people, we're all people, right? We can be deceived. How do you know if you've been deceived? And we can drift into not believing. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Now, this is New Testament times, so this is after the Sabbath rest of God resting in creation, after the rest of the promised land that they did enter. So God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news... Right? Talking about Jesus, talking about how you can have forgiveness of sin through Jesus, new spiritual life. This good news that God has prepared this rest when it will be ultimately fulfilled has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God for only we who believe can enter his rest. Belief. Faith, relying on God. That is what is being talked about here. Jesus brings rest. And what we've read about is a spiritual rest that we taste in the here and now through salvation and an ultimate rest that will be fulfilled, that will last forever when Jesus returns and makes all things new and heaven is our home. Now, it's interesting that these passages in Hebrews 3 and 4 are referring to Psalm 95. Very meaningful psalm quoted many times in worshipers for centuries, worshipers of the one true living God. But it's set up with this verse in Psalm 94. Joyful, that's a word that almost seems surprising to most of us these days, right? Joyful are those you discipline, teach, which means to teach or correct. Lord, those you teach with your instructions, you give them relief from troubled times. Has anyone had troubled times? Relief in troubled times comes when we receive the teaching and correction of God. And the benefit, the result is joy. There's joy that comes when we receive God's teaching. That's what's being talked about. 
But we, again, we see these stories that they shall not enter my rest. It's referring to people for whom God had done miracles, delivering them from slavery in Egypt, promising them a land that they could have as their own, where they could settle, where they could be free of enemies, where they could enjoy a place of relationship with God. God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. This is so interesting, and it's a spiritual thing. This is not a lot human logic thing. This is a spiritual thing. There is a spiritual rest that comes in the here and now because of God, in our relationship with God that will one day be fulfilled in heaven. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, referring to Psalm 95. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. The lesson is don't harden your heart. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another rest of the day still to come. He's saying, listen, if it had been fulfilled in the promised land, David wouldn't be writing about it in Psalm 95, and we wouldn't be talking about it today. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. The first time that this word comes to us in Scripture is when God rested on the seventh day from his work of creation. What we see here is that when I receive the saving grace of Jesus, I don't need to do anything to earn favor from God. My righteousness, my spiritual cleansing, I rest from any labor, from any work to try to get pure, to try to work my way into heaven. I'm going to rest from work. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Wow, that kind of sounds a little weird. Put out some effort to relax. (laughs) Now, some of us grown-ups know sometimes you've got to work to have a chance to rest, right? You know, like if you don't do the dishes and take out the garbage, other little things come crawling. You know, like sometimes you've got to rest and you've got to do some work in order to rest. Well, the same is true in our spiritual state, but it's really important that we understand that the effort is not so that we can prove to God we're worthy. No, Jesus took took care of that. The effort is not to try to work our way out of mistakes that we have made. No, Jesus already did that. But it does take some effort to stay in this relationship with God. It is God who does the heavy lifting. It's God who who chooses. It is God who does what is most difficult, but we got to stay focused. We got to enter into that relationship so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. God's spiritual rest is available for us here and now and on that day when Jesus returns. It's good news. God has prepared rest for people who believe God with tender, responsive hearts to enter. Now, Let's just unpack this a little bit before we go to make sure that we understand what the heck we're talking about. (laughs) All right? What does it mean to harden your heart? Because that's one of the things that's referred, repeated in multiple, multiple verses here. What does it mean to harden your heart against God? Because remember it said the people were deceived and they hardened their heart and they disobeyed. If you are deceived, you don't know that you're deceived. That's like literally what it means. 
So, but what does it mean to harden your heart? Now, the writers of Scripture, when they use the word heart, they're not referring to the muscle that pumps blood in your body. They're referring to a spiritual reality. And when you look at all the passages in the Bible, here's how I would summarize it. They're referring to your thoughts, emotions, and decisions. Your thoughts, emotions, and decisions. What does it mean to harden your heart against God? Your thoughts, your emotions, and your decisions. Remembering that we need to help each other and receive help from God so that we don't get tricked into doing this. Are you with me? Because we all are humans and we can drift into it. Here's what I have tried to help us unpack it and understand it. To harden our heart against God is to become more self-focused than God-focused. Hello? More likely to rely on myself than God, more likely to follow my direction than God's, more likely to trust myself than God, more likely to love myself than God. Now, I'm a football fan myself, and you may remember a particular wide receiver saying, I love me some me. (laughs) It's, to be human is to be able to, in the same day, love yourself and hate yourself. Hello? Think more highly of yourself than you should and less than you should. That's like just what being human is. And... In that, it can be difficult to trust God because we've known ourselves our whole lives. Hello? And to be human means that we think we know what's up. We think we know what's the right way. And like, hello, are you with me? Like, I got the right idea. My idea is better than your idea. And if there's anything, and I love y'all, but if there's anything we've seen in the last two years is that We think we're right and other people are wrong. And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're not. And being human includes mixture. Sometimes you have a thought that is from God. Sometimes you have a thought that's from your enemy. Sometimes you have a thought that originates with yourself. Sometimes you have a thought that originates with another human. How do we get some help to unpack the mixture? Well, unpacking the mixture starts with loving God more than we love ourselves. God revealed to the prophet Jeremiah that the human heart is deceitful. God gave you emotions. It's not bad to have emotions. One person who is emotional more than they are rational is not more valuable or less valuable than another human. Hello? God gave us emotions. But God did not give us emotions to be driving the bus of our life. Hello? Is this helping you? So sometimes what we need is we need times in prayer to let the Holy Spirit examine our hearts, examine our minds. Am I relying on myself more than I am relying on God? And I'm not talking about a life that's brainless. Oh, just whatever happens must be God's will. That's not what I'm talking about. But am I relying on the direction of God, the teaching of God, the leading of God? Am I relying on Do I care more about what God thinks about this subject or whatever's going on in my day than I do about what I think or what somebody else thinks? I'm flipping through the stories and I'm listening to everybody else's opinion. But am I listening to the one true living God who knows better than anyone else? 
I'm going to sit here and I'm going to get one minute after another minute after another minute after another minute to listen to everybody else's opinion. But how many minutes am I given to listen to God's opinion? Hello? The one who designed the universe is trustworthy. The one who is the giver of life is more worthy of your love than anyone else. So this is what it means to harden our hearts. And I guarantee you that there's not a human in this room who hasn't drifted into this. So just get over yourself. Don't be so serious and judgmental about it. We're all having a human moment here, right? We've all done this. And we need to follow Jesus together. All right. What does God's Sabbath rest and the rest of God's promised land have in common? Now, bear with me. I'm just going to have to assume momentarily that you know what I'm talking about here from Scripture. And we're going to summarize some things briefly. So, God resting on creation and the rest of the promised land after deliverance from the slavery in Egypt and we see that the people that were removed from the promised land, God said, were removed because they had proven they had an evil heart against God. So once they got to that place where the land was clear and they could settle there, what do these things have in common spiritually? Well, one, that spiritual rest, God in creation and in the promised land, is a place of peace, the shalom peace of God. You know, watch the Bible Project YouTube video about the shalom peace of God free from challenge that impacts life. In the promised land, there were bullies that would want to take over. Are you giving room to a bully? Hello? That's not that kind of rest. And our own emotions and thoughts and desires can become a bully. Two, they were a place of peaceful, uninterrupted relationship between God and people. What you see in the garden was that God came down and walked with Adam and Eve, talked with Adam and Eve. God comes through Jesus to be God with us. Jesus returns to the Father, sends the Holy Spirit to be with us. God desires a a peaceful, uninterrupted relationship between God and people. Three, a peaceful place where a life of healthy strength and joy are possible. That's what we see in both the spiritual reality of both a peaceful place where a life of healthy strength and joy are possible. Now, I want to talk about, to make this real, what does the saving grace of Jesus do? What does the saving grace of Jesus do? Let's talk about that. Well, one, it brings us into a right-standing relationship with the living God of peace, right? When I confess where I've been wrong, repent, turn away from it, and rely on, believe in, depend on the saving grace of Jesus, spiritually, I'm made clean. My past doesn't matter anymore. That's not the way that God is looking at me. And now I'm in a right standing relationship as though it never happened, as though it never went down. God brings us into a right standing relationship with him. Second, the saving grace of Jesus frees us from trying to cleanse ourselves spiritually from the mistakes of our past. I find that some people who've been in church buildings a long time are stressed out because they're somewhere underneath it all. They're still trying to do good things to prove to God they're worthy of his love. Come on, don't make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. Take a breath. Receiving the, the, the saving grace of Jesus, it frees us 
from a merit-based theology, from a works-based mentality. Number three, saving grace of Jesus gives us a new healthy life of peace, strength, and joy to taste now that will ultimately be fulfilled in a heavenly future. That's the reality. That should be transformative. It provides us with personal identity, value, and purpose. The saving grace of Jesus provides us with personal identity. Now I understand who God is. I start to grow an understanding about who God is, which shapes who I am. Receiving the saving grace of Jesus communicates that God has a value on my life, on who I am because of what he did through Jesus to make it possible for me to receive the grace. Whoa, like that should really change how we see who we are and who other people are. Personal identity, value, and purpose. Even if other people disrespected you, harmed you, put you down, didn't have value on your life, God values your life. God gave you life. It gives us personal identity, value, and purpose. So what should we do about this? How do we respond? What do we do? Well, first of all, we talk about it every week. Receive the saving grace of Jesus and respond to it. If you haven't already, we'd love to give you a purple book and give you a Bible, offer to have somebody help walk alongside you to help you find the answers to all the questions in God's word. What is the sin? What is sin? What does that mean? What do we believe about that? What do we believe about the good news of Jesus? And what the heck is a church? And what's the purpose of the church? There's 52 lessons. Each one to take you somewhere 15 minutes to a half hour to walk through all these different things about what we believe and why we believe it. But that includes that when God calls us, if I will confess where I've been wrong, ask for God's forgiveness because I believe in the saving grace of Jesus, that that new spiritual life is possible. If you don't understand that, if you haven't done that, we want to make that available to you. The main point of these passages written to the believers who were alive at this time is they were being pressured. Life was uncomfortable. It was difficult. In fact, they were being persecuted for identifying as followers of Jesus. And they were starting to think, hey, maybe life will get better if I just forget about this Jesus thing. They were starting to think, maybe my suffering will go away. Maybe the difficulties in this life will go away. They were starting to think, maybe if I just go back to the old way of living, maybe if I just go back to those people, maybe if I just go back to those relationships, maybe I just, if I just go back, all this suffering and difficulty will go away. Let us not make the mistake of hardening our hearts against God, of trusting ourselves more than we trust God, loving ourselves more than we love God, and then miss the rest of God. Number two, what should we do? Spend relationship time with God asking for a responsive heart. Tons of scriptures to teach on this. We've talked about how this is the human condition. This is what we all experience. Maybe what you don't need is a list of chores for your time with God. Do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. 
Maybe what you need is to think about it as relationship time. That you set aside the time of day where you have the most energy, the best of your energy, to be with God, to have relationship time with God. I think when we look at the prayer Jesus gave us in Luke 11, 1, that's a part of what Jesus is talking about. Relationship time with God. And when we do, ask God for a tender, responsive heart. Maybe today as we've talked, you've started to realize that there's been a hardening of your heart. A drift into being more self-focused than being God-focused. Ask God to help you. That's what we're told to do. Because God loves you. He will help give you a new heart, a soft heart responding to him. Number three, also from these passages, hold to what we believe about Jesus, our powerful, qualified, gracious Savior. Do you know what you believe about Jesus? Learn. Dig it deeper. Hold fast to it. Number four, tell someone about the saving grace of Jesus. A lot of times we get frustrated in life. We drift into focusing on the challenges of life more than the eternal realities because we're not telling other people about how good God is, about what, who Jesus is, about what it means, about what the good news means to us. When we share it, there is a joy that is fulfilled. There is a joy that you experience when you share it that you don't experience otherwise. Sharing who Jesus is brings a fulfillment. You get a sense of fulfillment, identity, value, and purpose in your life. Your joy grows. Tell somebody about Jesus. That's how we should respond. Jesus brings rest. What I'd like to do is to spend a moment in prayer. Rebecca, will you come? So one of the things that we're doing, those of you that were here early on, as Chris explained, is that each week we're changing up our activities here on Sundays. Because following Jesus is not, it's not an event you attend. It's what's going on personally between you and God. And if we are going about it together, that's what it's about. And we are, as a church, in our Thursday night Zooms and our Sunday morning and all our different activities, we are wanting to, and we had such a great time laughing last Thursday night, we're wanting to follow Jesus together, to collaborate, to grow in it. That's what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to grow in this journey together. And what we'd like to do, we got a couple of things we're going to do in closing, but we would like to pray over you in response with this, with this passage of Scripture. Chris, will you come and play? And so will you just join us in, in prayer this morning? And this morning I felt uh, very impressed that some of us came in today carrying bitterness, and, not bitterness, sorry, brokenness and shame. So um, as Chris plays, go ahead and close your eyes. And one of the things about that is, you know, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We are forgiven. We are made new and restored. But sometimes things creep back into that relationship. Things from our past can be brought back to memory. And it can cause us to struggle and strive and for thoughts to take over. And today, God wants you, if you came in today with brokenness or shame from something that happened in your past. He wants 
that to be put aside and for you to enter into this rest that Ben is talking about today. So with eyes closed, I just, I'll pray over you and I just want you to respond in your heart towards God. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Heavenly Father, I just ask for these wonderful people here today. God, that if anyone came in today with brokenness or shame, or if anyone has moments throughout their day or their week where those thoughts and emotions come out of nowhere, Lord, and sometimes can feel so unmanageable, God, I pray that you would bring healing to that. God, you have already redeemed them. You have already forgiven them. But Father, I pray that you would give them your perspective of that, that you would give them your perspective of how much you love them, how much you care for them. And I pray that you would heal the brokenness and the shame that is in them, Lord, that you would remove it from them forever, that they would never have to feel that way again. And I pray that in its place would be your rest would be that ability to enter into time with you without fear, without worry, and just to experience your peace and your joy. God, bring your healing. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would interact with hearts and minds that are wounded, and that you would heal permanently, that you would heal with your goodness and your love. 